0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, um, having homeschooled our children and having myself, myself spent 30 years, I had to add it all up, but it's 30 years I've spent in school as a student, um, I have formed certain and definite opinions about education, like educational philosophy about learning and so forth. And one of those uh, things that that I have picked up is the difference between knowing about something and knowing something. Like there is a difference. Like for example, you can know about a dog, right? Oh, a dog wags his tail when he's happy, you know, or a dog licks you. Like, these are all things that people know about dogs. But to observe the behavior of your own dog and to know when it's time to let him outside or that he wants water or that he's hungry or that he's scared because Camp Perry is having another exercise and there's like bombs going off, you know, or something like that, that the dog is scared to know that and to like see that and observe that in the dog, that's to know the dog. That's not just knowing about a dog, that's knowing the dog. Um, and that's one of these, these ideas of learning is that we learn you know, deeply. Um, I give another example or illustration of this concept and that's, uh, I'll use Maddie Grace as the example of this. When she was eight years old, she had a seizure and it was terrifying. I mean, it is terrifying when your child is unconscious and you don't know why or what is going on. And she was rushed to the hospital and God be praised. All was well. She was okay. They did a bunch of tests and everything else and probably because she was uh, had a fever and her temperature came down too fast or something like that. But in any event, she was all fine. But um, we didn't know that for sure because she was still at the hospital and the doctor asked her some questions. She had, she had sort of come to and he asked her some questions. And I mean, her answers, I guess they were sort of cogent, but they were also maybe sort of you know, exhibited a certain quirkiness and uniqueness that is her. And so the doctor had reached the ends of what he could tell as a doctor, as a doctor who knew about such things, but didn't know her. So he said, is this Maddie Grace? (laughs) And we were like, yep, that's her. (laughs) Through tears, we said, yep, that's her. All right. So again, but that's Kelly and I knowing her as opposed to to just knowing about, generically about something. Now, why do I give these illustrations? The reason is because in our gospel lesson today, that is exactly the point of difference between these servants. It's about knowing the master. Do you know the master? Do the slaves know their master? That's the question here. Do these servants or slaves know their master? Now, you heard the gospel lesson, but I want to highlight a few details. First of all, the master called his servants and entrusted to them his property. You notice that he entrusted his property to them? It reflects on who the master is. He entrusted it to them. Okay. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Now we see wisdom, He knew his servants and knew what their ability was and he gave accordingly to them. But he gave them no more than they could handle. But nevertheless, he did entrust them with a great deal. The five talents might not sound like a whole lot, right? So let's do a uh, transaction uh, conversion here. Uh, Talent is equivalent to about 20 years of wages for a laborer. That's one talent. Now, it's, it's 75 pounds. So a talent, that's what talent is, a measure of weight, and it's 75 pounds. If it was gold coins, some people would say, well, uh, five talents is equivalent to like $13 million. On the lower end, it, it would be like 5 million, okay? But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not trying to do a, an exact conversion here of exactly how many dollars that was. But the point is, that was a lot of money. I mean, this was all, that, that's what the master entrusted to them. It was not just like, here, here's five bucks. No, it's five talents. It's like, here is a huge sum of money I'm putting in your hands. I'm entrusting you with this. So you have five talents, you know, say five million or so. Two talents, still a lot. One, one talent, it's still 20 years of wages. I mean, it's a lot of money that was entrusted to the one who was given that. Now, what is the response of these servants? First, there are the uh, two who responded identically. They received the entrusted deposit and they faithfully went to work with it. It was entrusted to their care and they looked at it as such. Our master has entrusted us with this. Let us now get to work and do what he would have us to do with it. It's not because they were commanded. He didn't give them a command to say, invest my property and make more money. He didn't even say that. He just gave, them, gave it to them and entrusted it to them. They took it upon themselves to say, well, I think what he would have us do is thus. So they went out and, and they, they responded to the trust that he had shown in them by doing. And this is described in a relatively few words in the text. But you notice for the third servant, we need more words in the gospel lesson to explain what's going on with his attitudes and with the master's response. So the third servant went and dug a hole and buried the talent. Now listen to what he said. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. (laughs) I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid of you. You were you a hard man that I'm afraid of. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. Now, would a hard man, you have to ask yourself, would a hard man have entrusted him with 20 years wages? It just doesn't make sense. What do you mean he's a hard man? He gave you 20 years wages. And does the master indeed not scatter or, or, or collect where he hasn't scattered seed? Does he look for a harvest where he hasn't put any effort in? Now, he, when, when the master says, oh, really? Well, if that were the case, then at least you could have just put the money in the bank. If, if that's truly the type of person I am, that I'm just going to pick up and scatter, that I'm going to pick up the seed where I haven't scattered any, well, then at least just take it down to the bank and deposit it. And then I'll have that plus the interest but you didn't even do that. See, that's the point is that the third servant, it's not that he failed to invest the money properly or anything like that. It's that he did nothing with it. He did nothing because he did not know the master. He didn't see the master for who he truly is. He saw him for someone who he is not. Wicked, hard, and so forth. Now, those who would have heard this parable in Jesus' day would have seen clearly that the master in this case is Jesus. And they would have known and seen that Jesus is not a hard man and he doesn't sow where he has not, uh, or uh, yes, he doesn't sow where he has not, or uh, harvest where he has not sown seed. They would have said that's totally unfounded and untrue and in fact impossible. I mean, Jesus in fact came to the lost sheep of Israel but think about the uh, Canaanite woman that came to him and, and, she, and Jesus said, hey, it's not right for me to, uh, uh, to, to feed to the dogs what is meant for the children. Called her a dog basically. And she said, yeah, I'll be a dog as long as I can be your dog. That's who I, I will be your dog. Because even the dog eats the crumbs that fall from the table. And he fed her. Think about the centurion, the Roman centurion who, who came to Jesus begging healing for his servant and expressed to him a faith that Jesus, you don't even have to come under the roof of my house, but you just say the word from where you are, and I know my servant will be healed. Jesus commended his faith, and he healed the centurion, the centurion's servant. So Jesus is bringing gifts uh, generously, and 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 he's... Uh, spreading seed and he's doing it profligately because he's spreading seed even to people who won't receive it. And yet he still gives them his word that they might receive it. So to see uh, Jesus as the master, anyone would plainly see that, no, he's not a hard man and he doesn't sow uh, or reap where he has not sown. Those things are untrue. It's quite the opposite. So the issue here is not it's not one in this whole parable, the issue is not that the, uh, that the good and faithful servants of the master are the ones who judiciously take the talent that's been entrusted to them and invest it wisely so that they have a return on investment to, to present. Here, see, here's your return on investment because that's also looking at Jesus the wrong way. That's not looking at the master correctly, to look at it as though it's a quid pro quo. You know, you do this for me, now I do this for you. It's, it's actually, is, is a, is faithfulness. it is faithfulness. It is the faithfulness that, the way that they look at the master. It's faithfulness that's seeing the master in seeing the master for who he truly is. And that's to say, gracious, Loving, merciful, slow to anger, caring, compassionate. That's the type of master he is. In fact, he's a master who lives to make intercession for you. He's a master who spills his own blood for your sake. What kind of master is that? Not hard. Not a hard master. No, that's a master that we are set free to serve, free without the fear that, oh, you know what? I did what I thought was best and I lost it all. That's okay. That's not, not, the point is not how much did you earn? How much did you return on investment? That's not the point. The point is that they trusted in him and were faithful to do what they thought was best, what he would have them to do. Jesus is Telling them in this parable what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like looking and looking at Jesus and seeing that he will return again to judge the living and the dead. It's it's having faith that's been given to us. And with that faith, we learn to live and abide in Christ. And by abiding in Christ, we live with Confidence with the peace that comes along with that, knowing that whatever happens in this world, I am set free from my sins. That is the most important thing that, that anyone ever could know is that my sins, although I fall short as though I will fail, inevitably, that Jesus is the master who looks and says, that's okay. You trusted in me and I'm not going to let you down. It's not because of who you are. It's not because you're the shrewd investor who is produced. It's because of who I am and I love you. Loving and merciful, even though we fall short. That's what Jesus is. Even though we fall short, he's loving and merciful. So what does all this mean? It means rejoice. All of us rejoice. It means enjoy the freedom that you have to live and abide in Christ. That's a freedom to go and to serve your neighbors because you can't serve God, but you, you can only serve God by serving your neighbors. So you're free, you're set free to love and serve your neighbors and thereby serve God. So enjoy that freedom. And in all things, give thanks and praise to God because he is the one who has secured your salvation. And when he returns, you will all hear those wonderful words that we look forward to. The day of, the last day when Christ returns is a day of judgment, just like we heard from Zephaniah this morning. But for us, for believers, for all those who call on the name of Christ, it's a day to rejoice because in that day, you will all hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.